Well, why does God hide himself from believers? Uh, It's a question we have touched on on the podcast, but we need to address it head on. And we do so today through a question sent to us from James, a listener in Toledo, Ohio. Hello, Pastor John. Thank you for this podcast. Way back in APJ 338, you said God sometimes chooses to withdraw from us his manifest, experienced, known, tasted sweetness of his presence. Mm. But you also said that God never leaves or forsakes his people either. So God never forsakes his people, but he sometimes withdraws from them the sweetness of communion with him. Uh, He hides his face, as the psalmist says, in about a dozen places. Uh, In that episode, you demonstrated conclusively why this dynamic is equally at work in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant alike. Uh, At the end of it, you said God has, quote, his reasons for doing this, end quote, but that, quote, maybe there would be another time for us to talk about that, end Mm. quote. That was Mm. eight years ago. I don't know that you have addressed it since. Can you now explain some of the reasons? why God would intentionally hide his face from us. So important. Yeah. Let me uh, repeat the very, very crucial, central statement that he made. Uh, He said this, So God never forsakes his people, but he sometimes withdraws from them the sweetness of communion with him. He hides his face as the psalmist says in about a dozen places. And his question is, why would God do that to his own children? But first, let me make the case that he already accepts. He doesn't need me to make the case, but my guess is some of our listeners are saying, really? Yeah. There is evidence in our very songs that we sing these days that there's disagreement about this. For example, Edward Mote wrote this great hymn that most of us would recognize 150 years ago. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. Hmm. Okay, that's what he wrote when darkness veiled his lovely face. Then about a decade ago, a group, I won't name them, adapted this hymn, and we sing it now, I think under the title Cornerstone, and it goes like this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. So Edward Mote, who wrote the hymn, wrote, when darkness veils, really veils, his lovely face, and the group thought they could improve on that and do better, and they say, no, actually, we're going to sing when darkness seems to hide his face, as if it doesn't really happen. Hmm. Well, uh, there's disagreement. (laughs) 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 That's the the least you can say. There's disagreement about that. and. Why would that be? My guess is that those who think darkness really doesn't hide his face, but only seems to hide his face, would probably also reject William Cooper's verse in his great hymn, God Moves in a Mysterious Way, one of my favorite hymns. Here's what he wrote. 
Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Now, Cooper not only says that darkness hides God's face, but that God hides God's face. Behind a frowning providence, he, God, hides a smiling face, which is what the question is. Why would God do that? And I think Cooper's understanding is right in the way God relates to his people. God is never wrathful toward his forgiven, justified, redeemed, loved, secure children. Christ has absorbed all of God's wrath, and we have passed out of death into life. We have moved beyond judgment because the death of Christ is our condemnation. We don't bear it anymore. We have been transferred into the kingdom of his beloved Son. Therefore, God delights in us as his justified, forgiven children. But that delight does not exclude disapproval of behaviors and attitudes which don't reflect the glory of the Father in his children. And it doesn't exclude discipline of his children. So the proverb says, this is Proverbs 3.12, the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. That's amazing. We reprove the very Son in whom we delight. And in the New Testament, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, quotes that very proverb in reference to the suffering of Christians and says, Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And that discipline sometimes includes seasons of spiritual darkness when God turns his face away. For example, turns his face away from answering our prayer. Like James 4.3, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. In other words, I'm looking away from that prayer. Your attitude and your, your motives are so corrupt, I'm looking away from that sinful request. And that may feel like darkness. That may feel like a, a season of darkness, because it is when his face turns away, there's a cloud. So l let me give three reasons why God may turn his face away from time to time and give us over to seasons of perplexity, confusion, darkness. Number one, he does it to teach us the value of his precious presence by withdrawing it for a season. Ephesians 1.18, Paul prays for the Ephesians that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened to know God. He's praying for Christians. He's praying for Christians because the brightness and the light of God's preciousness is 
not always as clear as it should be or as we, we want it to be. So he asks that we would know God as we ought to know God, know the sight of his face as we ought to know the sight with the eyes of the heart of his face, and fresh glimpses of the worth and beauty and greatness of God would be given to us, and that we would cherish him more because of having lost sight for a season. That's number one. Number two, to teach us our own weakness in holding fast to Christ and keeping a clear view of his face, our weakness to keep a clear view of his face, so that we are humbled and made to realize how utterly dependent we are on God to keep his face before our heart's eyes. That's why Paul's praying. It's God's doing. At the end of the book of Jude, he only has one chapter, verses 24 and 25, he soars, Jude soars with the most beautiful doxology in the Bible, and all of it is because of how amazed he is that God and God alone can keep us from stumbling and present us before God's face, God's glorious face. Mm. So I think from time to time, he allows us to slip into darkness so that we realize how desperately dependent we are for seeing him on his grace, which Jude so powerfully celebrates. And then finally, number three, I think he does this to remind us what it was like to be lost without Christ. In Ephesians 2.12, Paul commands us, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. He never wants us to forget what a wonder it is that God has revealed his beautiful face to us, removed separation, stepped in, lifted the veil, made his face bright to us in the gospel. So, from time to time, he allows us to taste that former darkness so that we will come trembling back to the word and prayer and the cross and lay hold on God in a fresh way and love our salvation more than ever. So my prayer for all of you, all our friends who listen to these programs, is that when you walk through such a season, you would do what Isaiah 50 verse 10 says, let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Because as Hosea 6.3 says, his going out is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. So good. Isaiah is super helpful and important here. I'd also throw into the mix uh, Isaiah 8.17, which reads, quote, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face, end quote. And then he says in him, quote, I will hope, mm. end quote. Mm. The God who hides himself from us is the same God we hope in. We've got to get that right. It's important. Thank you, Pastor John. And thank you for joining us today. You can ask a question of your own, search our growing archive, or subscribe to the podcast, all at desiringgod.org forward slash ask Pastor John.
One of the themes we address on the podcast is retirement and how to not waste it. We've talked about end-of-life decisions too, but we've spent very little time talking about inheritances and wills and things like that. Uh, We will do so next time. I'm your host, Tony Ranke, and we'll see you back here on Monday for that. Have a great weekend.